Welcome to the 180 Ministry Podcast. Please check us out at the1-80.org. We're going to look at the ministry of Jesus as we look at this subject of undaunted faith. And so if you have your Bibles, go with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be spending, actually Matthew chapter 8. But before we go there, we're going to set the context of this first story we're going to look at. So we're going to be looking at the story of the leper, undaunted faith. That's a nice picture. Um, Praise the Lord. So Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1, and when you are there, say amen, and we're going to lay the groundwork for this passage. All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Okay, so this is the story of the leper. Now, I want us to set the context and see the context of this passage. Verse 1 says, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Now, does anyone remember what Jesus was doing before on the mountain? What was Jesus doing before chapter 8? Was that? Okay, prayer, yes, teaching on prayer was one. Yes, Sermon on the Mount, okay? So he was doing the Sermon on the Mount, and that lasted... 5 all the way from chapter 5 all the way to chapter 7. And so he's breaking down in the Sermon on the Mount what we would call the law of God. He takes the principles of the Old Testament and he breaks them down now at the beginning of the New Testament. He's breaking down the Word of God. Now the law of God, we can put it in a few ways. It's broken down into three parts. One is you have the law of God. The summation of that law is love, right? God is love, and everything that springs forth from him is a revelation of his character of love. But as we move forward now, God says, I'm going to make my love even more clear, which is he broke it down into two commandments. And what are those two commandments? And love each other, right? Love your neighbor. So he broke it down into those two commandments. Now Israel, after he breaks it down to them, they go into captivity. And as they come out of captivity, you remember, in captivity, they were in a land of idolatry. All right? So after he brings them out, he further breaks down these two simple laws into how many? Ten. Ten commandments. And he expects his people to live in harmony with those commandments. Now, as time goes on, he sees that his people needs even more explanation and understanding of those commandments. So the rest of the word of God is a breaking down of the simple law of love. Not only in terms of concepts and principles, but as they are manifested in stories. So God reveals what his laws are. And then he reveals how to keep those laws in the lives of the faithful. In the lives of men like Daniel, like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. In all of the faithful across the centuries, he's revealed what it looks like to live in harmony with God's principles. So the word of God is the breakdown 
of the principle of the law of love. Does that make sense? Right? So God's word is the further laying out of his law of love. Now, what did the Messiah come to do? Christ came to basically take those laws and live them out in his life. So he starts off his public ministry by the Sermon on the Mount, and on, in that sermon, on that mountain like Moses, he breaks down the law of God, and he magnifies it so that men see exactly what the law looks like, what the principles of God's law actually are. And so as Jesus does this now, look at how he starts off. And I want you to see the influence of Christ. And I believe this is an influence that we can have. So we're coming back to Matthew chapter 8. But I want you to go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to look at the ministry of John the Baptist. And compare that ministry then to the ministry of Jesus Christ. It says in Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 4. Speaking of John. It says there, and the same John, John the Baptist, had his raiment of camels here and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Verse 5, then went out to him. Now, does anyone know how long John the Baptist's ministry lasted? Friends, this might shock you, but John's ministry only lasted six months. But in six months, this is what happened, verse 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem, Judea, and all the region round about the Jordan. So John's influence, even though it was only six months, was his public ministry. It was vast. People from all of these different places, you then can expect that thousands of people had come out to hear him and that many followed and were baptized by him. Now, what do you think about Jesus? Do you think Jesus is going to have the same amount of influence or more? More, right? So go with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 23. And here's why it was more. As we incorporate these very principles, friends, the same thing will happen to us. It says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, when you are there, say amen. 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 It says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, and look at the threefold work of Christ. He went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. What is the, what is the comparison of a synagogue today? Church. And then it says... And preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So Jesus was doing what? Teaching and preaching. And then there was an added component. Healing. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now what happened as a result? Verse 24. And his fame went through how much? All Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, that means epileptic, and those that had the palsy, that means paralysis, and he healed them. Now check this out. All Syria, and then verse 25, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, that's 10 cities, from Jerusalem, and from 
Judea, and not round about the Jordan, but beyond the Jordan. So Jesus' ministry went way beyond that of John the Baptist. And so this is a powerful preaching, teaching, healing ministry. My friends, what I want to say to us here today is that as we, if we follow the same pattern, friends, we will have the same results. We will be shocked. It is not that we are seeking to be proud. It is not that we are seeking to be known. But as we minister in what is called disinterested benevolence to others, not seeking for glory, God will give us the glory. He will give us the fame and the power to influence others who we don't even know. This is what God desires to do with his church. Now, as this happens, the great multitudes start, as the passage says. So now, when we get to Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount, we see where the multitudes came from. They came as a result of the practical ministry of Jesus Christ. And so as he's doing this work, the multitudes are now listening to him. He's speaking on the Mount. They're hearing the law broken down and amplified. And then after Jesus lays out the principles of the law from Matthew 5 to 7, he then comes down from the mountain to exemplify the law in his own life. So we're going to see now what does the law look like when it is practiced in the life. Are you ready? Amen. All right, let's go in our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 8. So Jesus comes down from the mountain. The multitudes, are they gone according to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1, or are they still there? They're still there, right? So it says, in light of this, the multitude still being there, it says, verse 2, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. But in context, the leper comes in the midst of what? A multitude. So friends, you remember in the Old Testament, if a leper shows up in the midst of a multitude, what was supposed to happen? Unclean. Unclean, unclean right? And so you can imagine it's powerful in the amazing book, Desire of Ages. It actually tells us that this is what happened. The people were, were stunned as they saw this leper coming to Jesus in the midst of them. But you know it's powerful because even though the multitude rejected him and they were afraid of him, was Christ afraid? No. Friends, amen. This is what it says in verse 3. The man asked Jesus in the midst of this multitude, and this is where we get the title for our message today, Undaunted Faith. Because despite the fact of going into the midst of the multitude to get to Christ, this man, in order to do that, he had to have a faith that could not be shaken. Because in the midst of a multitude of rejectors, he had to believe that the things that he had heard about Jesus were true, that he could come to this person and this person would receive him as he was. And so that faith ascended beyond the rejection that he could potentially experience. There may be those of us in here today that are struggling in our faith. And we are wondering, could Jesus truly receive me? Could Jesus receive me in the midst of the mess that I'm in? 
The mess that this man was in was a mess of leprosy. The Bible tells us there came a leper and worshipped him. Now, something I noticed about this is that the conditions that Jesus healed in Scripture were a symbol of the state and condition of the church. So I need a volunteer in our audience today. Who do I have as a volunteer? I want you to read a passage for us. Anyone. All right, awesome. Miss F- Sister Philomena, can you read for us Isaiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 7? Isaiah chapter 1 and verses 5 through 7. We're looking at the Old Testament, and this passage in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, is speaking about God's people. And you tell me, as this is read, what condition this is, all right? The book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. Why should ye be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land strangers devour in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. All right, thank you so much for reading that. Now, as you read the condition of Israel, What condition does that sound like? The church having a state of what? Leprosy. Having the condition of leprosy. So God says there's putrefying sores, wounds that have not been closed up, and that is the exact condition that leprosy reveals. So as we're looking at this now, Jesus healing the leper is not just a a, a simple thing that Jesus is doing. It's a manifestation of what he desires to do for the church. And friends, you and I make up the church. Therefore, this is what Jesus, what Jesus is about to do with this man, is a symbol of what he wants to do in your life and mine. He wants to bring healing to us. But notice what it says. How did Jesus respond when the man came to him? Matthew chapter 8 and verse 3 says, And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So what do we see here? This is amazing. The Bible says that Jesus put forth his hand, and what did he do with this man? He healed him, right? Now notice, the Bible says that Jesus touched him. The word there in the actual Greek means Jesus stretched his hands forth and grasped this man. So it's more than just a a little touch. It's actually cleaving to someone. Friends, what does that tell us? The major point I want us to see in this message is that As undaunted faith leads us to the Son of God, Christ is not afraid of our mess. You see, this man was in a situation of leprosy. His body was decomposing. Probably certain aspects had fallen off. And it was a mess that his life was in at this moment. 
Yet while everyone may have been afraid of this gentleman, Christ was not. Friends, Christ, no matter what mess you may find yourself in presently, we must believe that we can come to Christ as we are, and he will come close to us in our affliction. He will come close to us in our brokenness in order to bring healing and restoration. Now, some may look at this story and say, Akeem, I've asked God for healing, though. How come, he, how come God doesn't do this for everyone in the world? And friends, there's a catch. You see, we just realized from Isaiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, that leprosy is a symbol of sin. It is a symbol of sin in the human condition, in the human life. And so what we're dealing with here is that the reason Jesus healed this man immediately was because it was a revelation of the spiritual condition of man. That he says, if you come to me with your sins, even if our maladies are healed or they are not healed in this life, can we be sure that one day they will be healed? Yes, if we remain faithful, right? But even if the malady is not healed, what can we be sure will be immediately vanquished? Sin. If we come to Christ as we are, Christ will take our sins away, not gradually, but immediately. This is the promise of Jehovah to us, that he desires to heal us of our past. That he says, it doesn't matter what you have done in your past, I can forgive your past and I can change you. Friends, God can do this in our lives and as a result, make us a demonstration of his glory. The other day I was looking at this and I was thinking, why is it that God desires to heal us? Why is it that he desires to change our lives so much? And one reason I came up with is, is that he's trying to prepare us for the society of angels. He's trying to prepare us for the kingdom. That's one reason, but there's another. A friend of mine the other day, he messaged me, and he said, Akeem, he said, if you need any posters done, contact me immediately, and I will do the posters for free. And I looked at some of his work. I was like, bro, can you send me some of your work? And I was like, man, he sent me the work and it was like top of the line stuff. And I was like, why would this guy do posters for me for free? Can anyone guess why he would do it? Okay. Okay, that, that, that's definitely one. Kindness is for sure. What's that? Okay, love and connection. Faith. All right, all right. You guys really are really gentle with this guy. That's nice. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, okay, so that's one. Thank you for mentioning that. That's what, okay, that's what? Okay, okay, that's great, that's great. All of these statements are great. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was very close. It was very close, though. But the, the thing that was meant... You go ahead. Say that again. Somebody sees it. God sees the plan. Okay, okay, all right. Now, all of these, all of these statements are reasons why we should definitely help people out. That's very true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the reason was to build his portfolio. So the reason is, as was mentioned, as he does this work, and then I put out the work that he's done, he can also put it out, and people see the kind of work that he's done. And so what does that mean for him? More business, right? And ultimately, it will come to the point where what? He can then charge. <laughs> so yes, we should do things out of kindness. This is true. But in this situation, it was to build his portfolio. Now, how does this relate to the story? Do you guys know that God has a portfolio? Can you guess what his portfolio is? The souls that he has saved. That's right. You see, when people look into your life and mine, and they see the revelation of a transformed life, that boosts the fame of God. And that's what we want to happen. Because when God's fame is boosted, what do you think will happen to his business? More people will come. <laughs> and friends, heaven, even though it has business aspects, it's more than a business. We're, we're together on that, right? But at the same time, God is trying to say to the world, you can come to me and I could change you. I could transform your life. But before they come, they must see that God can do it. And you and I are the specimen or example that God can. This is why Christ did this. As Christ did these healings over and over, more and more examples of his power to change men and women's lives began to spread everywhere. As the Bible says, his fame began to go everywhere. And so as people heard the news, they may have never heard his teaching, but because they saw the revelation of what his teaching could do in a healed life, it drew people from everywhere. I propose to you that this is what God wants to do with his church. That as we live lies for him, we will realize that, whoa, what will happen? People will come from east and west, north and south, to come and hear not only the gospel preached, but the gospel lived, to see it, to see a demonstration of it. Now, as Jesus does this, he cleanses the man in verse 4, says something that's amazing. This is to show you the love of Christ and his desire to reach everyone. It says, And Jesus saith unto him, verse 4, See thou tell no man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So we see here that even the priest that hated Christ, he was trying to what? He was trying to reach them. He was trying to show them, hey, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not trying to violate the laws of Moses. 
I'm actually living in harmony with them and I'm telling people to do the same. But as this happens, I want to read a statement to you connected to that passage in verse 4. And this is found in the powerful book, Desire of Ages, page 265. It says, every act of Christ's ministry, here it is, was far-reaching in its purpose. So the healing was not just for the healing itself. The healing was what was, was with a mindset that was looking forward into the future and the effects that that healing would have. It comprehended more than appeared in the act itself. So in the case of the leper, while he, Jesus, drew the publicans, the heathen, and the Samaritans, he longed to reach the priests and teachers who were shut in by prejudice and tradition. He left untried no means by which they might be reached. In sending the healed leper to the priests, he gave them a testimony calculated to disarm their prejudice. So this is the wisdom of the Savior. He's not only drawing the outcast, but he desired to draw the very leaders of Israel to himself. And so may it be with our ministry that as we seek to follow the ministry of Christ, that there is something twofold that I wanted us to end off on. It is to understand that God wants us to reach those who consider us enemies. I want to propose something to you, and that is, this might sound weird, and it might sound unbiblical, but it is extremely biblical. And that is that God has no enemies. Now, that sounds strange. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, I believe, that even while we were yet enemies of God, he reconciled us to himself through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does the verse say there? While we were enemies of God, right? But here's the thing. We are enemies of God, not because God hates us, but because we, the people of earth, hated him. So in other words, God is not saying, you're my enemy, and I hate you, and I just desire to destroy you. No, friends. The Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God does not have enemies in that sense, in the sense that we humans think of it, that God hates people. God loves all people. But the reason that the Bible says he has enemies is because people hate him. Does that make sense? Right? God loves everyone, but not everyone loves God. And so what does God do for his enemies? God sends his own son into the world to reach us who were his enemies. But I want you to notice something in the text. As Jesus is reaching out to the scribes and the Pharisees, was Jesus a Pharisee? No. Was Jesus a Sadducee? No. Was Jesus among that group known as the doctors and teachers of the law? Did he stand among the priests? But was he a priest? Yes. So what we're seeing here is that it's amazing. One of the reasons we're told concerning why Jesus told this leper not to go and broadcast his healing was that if he had broadcast this healing prematurely, 
it would have it would have influenced the situation so much that Christ's ministry could have been potentially cut short. And this is why there was wisdom in him saying, don't tell anyone, go to the priest and show yourself to the priest. Because there were unnecessary dangers that Christ was seeking to avoid until the time when he could not avoid them any longer. And so you would find Jesus doing this to a number of people, healing them and telling them, don't say anything. Because his ministry could be cut short prematurely. Sometimes the people listened, and sometimes they didn't. <laughs> and so his, the message went abroad, and as a result, we read in the passage at certain points when the message did go abroad, that it says at that time, the teachers of the law went forth and consulted with one another how they might kill him. So Jesus was dealing with some toxic people. Yet, friends, was he trying to reach them? Yes. The last point that I want to leave with us is this, that we, like Christ, must love our enemies. We must seek to reach those who are the most toxic in our lives. Thirdly, we must make sure that we are not the toxic person. And then fourth, as Jesus reached them, notice Christ was not always among the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He didn't desire necessarily to be where they were, but he was seeking to reach them even if it was at a distance. Friends, that's what I want to leave with you here today. As we look at this passage of undaunted faith and the work that Christ can do in changing our lives, there are times that as we grow in Jesus, as we've come to him and he begins to change our lives, that there are people in our lives that God will call us to reach, but sometimes the very one he's calling us to reach may be so toxic that we may have to reach them from a distance lest our spiritual lives be imperiled. This sounds weird, but it is true. God wants us to love our enemies, and he wants us to reach them. But the level of toxicity in a relationship determines the distance that may be necessary. I pray that that makes sense to us, friends. There are some who, in their Christian experience, they go through situations of abuse, and they think God wants them to continue to stay there. According to scripture, it is not so. God wants us to reach and to love. Even if it may take space in order to do that. So I pray that this message made sense to each and every one of us. And as we bow our heads and close our eyes, I want to make an appeal to each and every one of us. And if this appeal, you sense that it applies to you, I ask you to raise your hands as we close in prayer. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. We have looked at the story of the paralytic. We have seen the compassion of Christ. And we have seen that the reason that Christ healed this man was one, because he loved him, but also because he wanted to use this man as an example to show that he loves all and he's seeking to reach everyone. He wants to make us part of his portfolio.
So friends, if you desire to be among those who experience the transformed life, that you may be an example of what God can do, causing others to be drawn to him, then I ask you to raise your hand as you sit in your seats and your heads are bowed. If you desire to be a part of the portfolio of God, of Jesus Christ, giving evidence of his transforming power that others may be drawn to him and be saved as well. If you desire to be part of that portfolio, I ask you to raise your hands where you are. Amen, amen. With that, let us have a word of prayer in light of your decision to be a part of that portfolio. Father in heaven, I pray that, Lord, you will give us wisdom and understanding to follow your word, to live in harmony with your teachings, to, Lord, not only proclaim them, but, Lord, by your grace to live them, that as we live out these principles of truth, that, Lord, men may see what the law of God looks like. They may see that the result of the law is life, this law of love. Help us, Lord, so that others as they see it may be drawn to Jesus and be saved. And in the process of doing that in our lives, we know that we cannot be castaways, for you're working on us while you're working on others. And so we pray and we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please look us up online at the1-80.org and at the 180 YouTube channel. Please reach out to us with any questions or prayer requests. Until next time, thanks for listening.